A number of years ago, I met a young Iranian woman. She had been raised as a Muslim, and then she had come to the United States to study. And God providentially brought a number of Christians into her life, including me. This young woman was curious about the Bible and curious about Jesus. She spoke pretty good English, and so she started to do some reading in an English-language Bible. But reading about Jesus in a foreign language made Jesus feel foreign. So I gave her two books. The first was a book about Jesus called More Than a Carpenter. And the second book was a Bible. And I gave her both of those books in Farsi, which was her native language. And being able to read about Jesus and to read the Bible in the language of her heart made a huge difference. Her ability to understand what was being said and to consider the implications for her own life were significantly improved. And Jesus seemed much less foreign and much more real and much more approachable. And a few months later, she made the decision to repent and to be baptized and to become a follower of Jesus. And her experience reminds us that without the Bible, we really cannot know God. We cannot know how to be rescued from our sinful nature and become equipped to live by faith. And yet, in order to fully understand what God wants to say to us through the Bible, we really need to experience it in our own language. That was true for this Iranian woman. It's true for us. And it was true for the ancient Israelites. Over the past several weeks, we've been learning what it was like for the Jews to live in exile in a foreign land. And this morning, we get a brief glimpse of what takes place after that when they return home. And what we find is this, God's word communicated to them in their own language plays a vital role in their renewal as a community of faith. Here's what happens. Cyrus, Persia, becomes the emperor, and he allows the Jewish exiles to return home to Jerusalem. And when they get there, they discover a city in ruins. The defensive walls are rubble. Houses and businesses have been destroyed, and and their temple is in shambles. And the story of how they respond to all of this is recorded for us in our Bible, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And we learn that the people begin by rebuilding the temple. And then they rebuild the infrastructure of the city and the surrounding villages. And they start to grow crops and raise herds once again. And then finally they rebuild the city walls. And when that project is complete, they feel like they have a complete functioning city once again. They are whole once again. There are men, women, and children living daily life and going about their business. And after more than seven decades, they are home. Oh, it's a cause for great celebration. And they set aside a day to commemorate what's been accomplished. But the way they begin this day of celebration is not exactly what we might expect. Because they begin this celebration with a public reading of Scripture. Please listen to Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 12. In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled 
with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and the women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made just for this occasion. On his right and left stood various Levites. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Now let's pause right there for just a minute and consider the implications of this. When Ezra opened the book, opened God's word, the people stood up. They stood up as a sign of respect and honor for the word of God. They stood up to indicate their readiness to listen and receive God's truth as it was spoken to them. And we don't normally do that, but I'd like us to do that this morning. If you're physically able, would you just stand right now? And let's stand together as we continue to listen to the word of God as it is read to us. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites, too, quieted the people, telling them, Hush! Don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they had heard God's words and understood them. You may be seated. I, I don't know about you, but I find this a fascinating way for a group of people to celebrate. They begin their celebration by listening to the Word of God. And I believe they're doing that because they want to acknowledge that they are not just a community. They are a community of faith. A community of faith anchored in the truth of God as revealed in the scriptures. I want to briefly highlight three points from this passage and then talk about what it means for us. Take a look at verses 2 and 3. I should be here on the screen for you. 
the people take the time to read aloud. Ezra reads and the people listen. Reading aloud and listening to the scripture. And who is it that's listening? Men, women, and children. I love the fact that the Jews recognize that the Bible is not just for scholars and teachers. It's not just for adults. The Bible is for everyone who is old enough to understand the words. The Bible is for all of God's people. And so Ezra reads the word of God aloud to a large multi-generational group. And these people are so hungry to hear from God that they gather in a public square for several hours. For several hours. And they listen attentively as the Bible is read aloud. And we live in an age of very short attention spans and instant gratification. And sometimes, sometimes we can barely be bothered to take time for the Bible. But these people on this day make it a priority to listen because they trust that God will speak to them through His Word. What a great example for us. They show us that there is great value in reading the Bible and in listening as others read the Bible aloud. However, that's just the first step. There's more that must be done to ensure that the people of God can grasp God's truth. And we see that next. Notice what happens in verses 7, 8, and 9. The leaders do not assume that the people will get it. And so the Bible is not merely read, it also is explained. The people receive instruction. In fact, as it says here, they even get interpretation. And in certain cases, interpretation means translation. You see, we need to remember that these are Jewish people who had recently returned from exile in another nation where a different language was spoken. Many of these people were born in exile, and they only speak Aramaic. And so as God's word is read aloud from the scrolls, it's read in Hebrew, and some of these Jewish people don't understand it. They need to have it translated. So picture, picture the scene here. Ezra reads a portion of the scriptures. Then he takes a break. During the break, the Levites circulate among the crowd. They offer more detailed instruction. They answer questions that will arise naturally among the people because they want everyone to have a clear understanding. And from time to time, as they wander through the crowd, they're going to come across a Jewish man or woman or child who only speaks Aramaic. And then they will verbally translate so that those people too can know what God wants and expects. They need to hear it in their own language, and for them, the language is Aramaic. And then Ezra reads another section, and the process continues. It's understandable that it all takes a while, but they're not in a hurry, because the goal is understanding. And then when they do understand, that's when they can celebrate they can celebrate that they are directly hearing from God through His Word. And that's what we see in verse 12 at the end of this section. At this point, all the people now have heard God's Word in their own language. 
His truth has been explained so they have a better understanding of what it means to live together as a community of faith with God at the center of their lives. And because of that, now they truly can celebrate. And so they head off to enjoy food and fellowship as the people of God. And so the events of this day serve as a reminder to us that people need the Word of God. They need to have it in their own language. They need to read it and have it explained to them so they can understand. And then when they understand, they can celebrate the incredible joy of what it means to hear directly from the Creator of the universe. The Bible is a precious gift from God because it is the primary way He speaks to us. So often people will say, well, I've never heard God speak, and my response is, pick up your Bible. And that's why we take time to read and explain the Scriptures in our worship services. We do that in our adult Bible fellowship groups on Sunday morning. We do it in our life groups throughout the week. And I hope you take time to read the Scripture in your home. And sometimes, even if you're alone, read it aloud with only yourself as the audience because you'll hear it differently. And during the week as you read the scriptures, look for opportunities to discuss what you read with your family and with your friends so you can help each other have greater understanding about God. You and I need to make this book and the wisdom it offers to us a priority in our lives. And those are just a few ways we can do that. But we need to recognize that there are millions of people on this planet who do not have the same opportunity because they do not have the Bible in their own language. And translating the Bible, as the Levites did on that long ago day for the Jewish people, translating the Bible still is desperately needed today so people can hear the Word of God in their own language. We have flags hanging on the back wall of the auditorium. This flag, second from the left, is the flag of Indonesia. These flags represent nations where we support missionaries. And for many years, Ron and Jackie Whistler have faithfully served in Indonesia with Wycliffe Bible translators. And now because of their efforts, there is a brand new edition of the New Testament in the Monado language spoken by a large group of people in Indonesia. A portion of God's Word has been translated so that these people can read and listen and understand God's truth in a whole new way. And let me tell you, those people are not taking the Bible for granted. They are celebrating. They are celebrating just as the Jewish people did on that long ago day. This morning, I want Ron and Jackie to come up. They're going to share some highlights of their work as they helped to bring the Word of God to the Monado-speaking people of Indonesia. Ron and Jackie, God bless you. <laughs> Good morning. We've never had such a great introduction as that, as the, the examples of Nehemiah and Ezra in the first translation of the Bible. Today we're here to celebrate the Monado New Testament. And for you sticking with us all these years, it's been 15 years, Um, I'm going to read a verse from this so you can just hear it. There was a young lady attending a Discovery Bible study, 
And this verse greatly impacted her life. Could we put the verse up on the screen, please? There we go. Okay, I'll read this. This is John 1.16. Dia pesayang petorang nyandak pernah habis. Kongantaran dia pesayang itu, dia nyandak berhenti-berhenti setunjung tu dia pebay petorang semua. This girl that attended the Discovery Bible Study, she'd had a rough life. Her parents had both died when she was young. She was raised by an aunt. She'd been married and divorced, and there's a long string of struggles and troubles. And for her, God was far away, insignificant, didn't matter. Probably She didn't think he cared. When she heard the word of God in her own language, she began to cry. God was not far off any longer. And in John 1, she heard about love and grace upon grace after grace. And she realized how God was speaking to her, that through her tr- uh, troubles and struggles, God did love her. her. Her testimony is on Facebook. It's about a minute long, and it's through tears. It's very hard to understand. But it's just the power of God reaching into somebody's life, especially when they have never heard it in their own language. There are about 7,000 languages in the world. Now, if you're like you and me, and we were born and raised in an English-speaking area, we have choices. We have ESV, NIV, VVV, and all the Vs. We have study notes, no study notes, pictures, and boy, lots of choices. And that's great. That's awesome. But of the 7,000 languages in the world, only 600 of them, 600 plus, have the Old and New Testament. 1,400 have the New Testament. And there are still 1,500 languages waiting for a single word from God's word. That's the bad news. The good news is that about 18 years ago, Wycliffe Bible Translators, along with other organizations, decided to make a change on the way we work. We realized that if we continued to work as we were working, it was going to take hundreds of years for everyone to have the Bible in their own language. So we said instead of going and being the one who does the work, and we are going to now continue to do the work, but we're going to focus on training and mentoring local people to become translators. And the translators who became good translators would be mentored to become consultants. And those that had leadership skills, we would mentor to be leadership people. And that's what happened in the work that where we're doing, where we're working now. Uh, And I should say that because of this change of focus... Right now, today, there is Bible translation work going on in over 2,400 language groups around the world. More Bible translation than has ever gone on in any time in history. So we should rejoice. We should be glad. Things are happening like never before. And we want to thank you for standing with us. This has been a long haul. Uh, Sometimes we wondered if we would ever get done. To be holding something like this seemed impossible. This is the first um, we started in Indonesia in 1988 working among the Sawai, one people group. And because of a war, we were displaced. And it's a long story, but we ended up moving to the neighboring province. And then that's when we changed, just like our organization has changed. Instead of just doing one translation, we would focus on training nationals to do the work themselves. And we would work alongside them. So now we've helped start Bible translation projects in seven different language groups and are training those translators, and some now are going on to be consultants. And of the seven teams, this is the first one of the seven that is published in this new what's called cluster approach. And now we're going to see the video, 
on what happened when the Monado people, like we just heard the Israelites uh, receiving God's word and what happened, this is how the Monado people received God's word for the first time in their own language. Let's see the video. The people of North Sulawesi are made up of about 10 different people groups. They are predominantly farmers and fishermen. The regional language that helps to unify these people is called Monado Mele. Church services in this area have been conducted using the National Language Bible. That language, though, is not the language they speak on a day-to-day basis, and it can be difficult to understand and few are motivated to read it. In 2001, a translation center was opened up in this area, and a Monado Mele Bible translation team was appointed. After 15 years of hard work drafting, editing, and checking, the Monado New Testament was finished, and the Monado people would now be able to hear God's Word in their own language. In August of 2017, it was time to celebrate. Church leaders met together with a crowd of people for the dedication of the Monado Mele New Testament. The dedication service was filled with singing, dancing, and many types of indigenous music. The people of North Sulawesi have a lot of pride in their heritage and how God has created and blessed them. Drama was used to help present the message. First, a reenactment of the Tower of Babel and how we came to have many languages. Next was Pentecost and how God used the attraction of the apostles speaking in many languages to draw people to himself. A lot of time was given for the people to express through both song and dance how God created and continues to bless them. The Monado City Mayor led the procession to bring the first copies of the Monado Mele New Testament. The mayor was followed by the Monado Translation Team. Copies of the New Testament were given to the various church leaders of North Sulawesi. Now that the dedication is over, the Monado New Testaments are being sold in bookstores throughout the province and also after some church services. It is also available for free on both the Apple and Google Play Store. The New Testament is now being used in many reading groups and discovery Bible studies throughout the province. Please pray with us for God's Word to go out with power that lives would be transformed and that this translation would be used in sharing the good news and discipling believers. Thank you so much for the part you played in all of this. You've enabled us to go and work with the Monado translation team, and now the Monado people have the Word of God in their own language. Thank you. excited to reach this this milestone. God's word now is not only in print, but also this next month it should be out in a dramatic reading so that the people can listen to it on their phones, on their on their phones. So um, some say, there's a little analogy that's, that people have told us. It's kind of like in the past the word of God was like a banana, <laughs> but the banana wasn't peeled, so they couldn't really enjoy it. But now it's like the banana is peeled and it's ready to eat. So the word of God is readily available to them. They can read it, they can immediately understand it, and don't have to try to translate it in their heads. 
Um, scripture sales are up. We're excited about that. The people are using the app. Um, we would pray, ask you to pray with us that the word would spread and that lives would be transformed. And also, if you'd pray for the other translations we're working on the, in the next province, we're working on, the, we have a, one more year to work on editing to finish another New Testament. And that's a lot of work. You need a lot of wisdom in that. So thank you for your prayers. Um, you've heard us mention a few times now Discovery Bible Study. I want to talk on that for just a minute. We have a dream that throughout the provinces where we have worked that what we call their um, reading groups will be established in many homes throughout these provinces. Um, these uh, Discovery Bible Studies are it's not a new thing. In fact, it's rather an old thing. <laughs> it's going back to the basics. It's focusing on um, reading God's Word. And here you see an example of, uh, there's a, two types of discovery Bible study. One is personal, one you can do on your own. And you see like there's a piece of paper divided into three. You have scripture, and then you write down the scripture word for word there. So it's like uh, maybe Nehemiah, what we just heard, you write that down word for word. Then in the middle section, you put it in your own words, how, how you would explain that to somebody else or just from yourself there. And on the right is the I will statements, the obedience part. Now that I've heard God's word, what will I do? How will I respond? What is my action statement? Okay, this is for the personal side of uh, Discovery Bible Study. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Um, we're hoping that these Discovery Bible Study groups will form in many areas, and we've seen it beginning to happen here. And when you first start off, the first step is, uh, typically we say, let's have a time of prayer. But if you're dealing with people that are maybe unchurched, possibly of other faiths, we start out by saying, what are you thankful for? What, uh, what, what is on your mind right now? And what are some of your stressors? What, what Are you hurting? you have some needs? How can we uh, talk to our Father about that? Okay, the second one here. <clears throat> to share what God is doing in your life. This last week, what's happened? Have you read something in God's word? Uh, in your prayer life, is God moving you in some direction? What's happening in your life? Typically, the first two weeks, people are like, whoa, I don't know what to say. But by the third or fourth week, they start to get, oh, interacting with God throughout the week. Okay, I'll be ready to share next time. And number three is to read. To read God's word together. And in some of these groups, uh, if it's, let's say, uh, 15 verses we're going over, one person will read a verse and go all around in a circle. When we're done, we go around the other way. And then maybe someone will stand up and read it. And possibly, if you have somebody who's able to do this, to stand up and retell the story. There was a man who had two sons, and the one son said, give me all the inheritance. And he goes on to tell the story. And um, it's a great time of just interacting with the word. And fourth is the study time. And what's beautiful about this is it doesn't take anybody to have a, a big-time college education, theology, whatever. Anybody can do this to start asking questions. What do we learn about God from this passage? What do we learn about man from this passage? And um, on goes the questions. Uh, what are the main points in this passage? What really jumps out at you? What, what do you like about this passage? Or what don't you like about this passage? What does this passage tell us about living for God? 
And through these questions, people start to interact with the word. And when they start to bring up other things, oh, my grandpa said, and my, I read this book 10 years ago, and when I was a kid, no, let's go back to here. Let's go back to God's word. And to, to get it focused on the word. And it's so awesome. It's like that one gal, when she heard John 1, she just said, wow, in all my struggles, in all my troubles, God loves me. And number five is to obey. You know, um, I came to church this morning, and I had actually forgot this Bible, <laughs> so I had to go back home, kind of, I didn't race home, but uh, pushing it a little bit, <laughs> uh, and right then I thought, okay, here's my chance to practice rejoice always. <laughs> Can I practice that right now, not step down too hard on the gas, and just rejoice? I forgot it, and I'm just going to enjoy time with God in the car. There's ways to practice God's word every day, but many times we forget, you know, what we just read about consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, somehow to obey the passage today. And last but not least, who can share this with this week? What you just heard about, is it a family member, a friend, a neighbor, uh, somebody of another faith, somebody of no faith? Who can you share it with this week? Not at Christmas and Easter. Well, that would be good too. But right away, who can you get to share this with? Please pray with us that God would use these Discovery Bible studies and that they would spread like wildfire and it would be a great way to attract people to who Jesus is as they read about him in the scripture and to see that he is loving, all-encompassing, and there's grace for all. And we want to thank you for standing with us. Now the Monado people have the Bible, and next year there'll be three more dedications, so maybe we'll be back then too. Thank you. Ron and Jackie, God bless you. Thank you so much for your very faithful service, and we recognize that this is just one stepping stone, and there's more work underway, and more Bibles being translated into more languages. Thank you for continuing on. And do you see how the process that we saw in Nehemiah is being lived out here? The Bible is being translated and interpreted into the language of the people. A tool, Discovery Bible Study, has been created so that these people now cannot just read the Bible but have it explained. They can achieve understanding. And as they understand who Jesus is, they can celebrate. That's the best kind of celebration in the world is to know God to know his truth as he reveals it to us through his word. Every week, 13.5% of our offerings goes to local, regional, and global outreach. So we can invest in things like this. And it's because of our investment and because of the work of Ron and Jackie that this new Bible translation now exists and a group of people for the first time can hear God speak to them in their own language. That always is a cause for celebration. And we can celebrate because we can believe that this Monado New Testament will make Jesus more real to this group of people in Indonesia. And so we need to pray that God will take this translation and use it to make an eternal difference in the lives of men and women and children. We need to pray that God will raise up more people to continue in this desperately needed work of Bible translation in many places around the world. And I hope all of this reminds us 
never to take the Word of God for granted. I was looking at my shelf this morning in my office, and I have like 13 different Bible translations. What an abundance of riches. And yet, so many people in the world don't even have one. But now, thanks to you and your team, there's one more people group that has the Bible in their own language. Let's pray for this work. Let's pray for them. Pray for the people of Indonesia. But as we wrap up, let's bring this down to a very personal level. Do you want God to speak to you? Do you want to hear what He has to say to you? Do you want to understand what it means to know Him and to follow Him? Then open your Bible. Read it and let God speak to you.